Hey, how are you? And welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is March the 22nd, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Howdy, Franklin. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Getting going. A little dreary here today, but got to get out and swing some golf clubs this week, so the weather's finally turning here. Tremendous. San Diego and Los Angeles counties have received more rain this winter than have Seattle. Really? Yes. Wow. So <clears throat> golf has been slim pickings, actually, this winter. Oof. I I'm sorry, man. I felt good, though, because I regripped my clubs and finally, like, going to make a very conceited effort this year to get better at golf instead of just using it as a relaxing, fuck around kind of thing. So uh, I'll check in in six months. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, fucking Frank, I'm back to just having fun. <laughs> Honestly, best way to get better at golf mm -hmm. is to not get um, torn up on the golf course. Yeah, Pat Davison's already always told me that too. I think that's going to be the the key, man. At least give it nine it nine key. holes soberly and see how I'm doing. And if it's shitty, then you know enjoy myself. But I could definitely see how that would that would throw off your your how marijuana could like relax your muscles and and mess up that mechanic of it. And alcohol just would kind of make me always like be a fuck around. So yeah, I'll I keep couldn't that in give mind. you like any tips on like your swing or what to do. Golf's hard, but one universal thing is a sober mind plays the best golf. Hmm. Yeah, I will keep that in mind. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awesome if it wasn't true. But time is short, Al. It is. Yeah, it is. Life is short. It's I saw something yesterday that I thought was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And it basically shows your life in months. You see this? Wow, that's cool. So this is, this is my birthday. This little chart here assumes that I live to 90. And if I am going to live to 90, these are the months that I have left. It might seem like a long time, but then you look at it in years, and I go, shit. Damn. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Wild. And it really looks um, interesting when you look at it in a perspective from your parents. Uh, so this is my dad. Wow. Yeah. And that's to 90, right? Yeah, that's to 90. So this is how many months he has left. I know. That's a terrifying thing to see. Well, 90, I don't think is that common, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, I think it's an optimistic, uh, yeah. uh, an optimistic range. Yeah, wow. I know. So, how much time you think you got left? It's not. I don't think it's as much as you. What's your birthday? November the twenty fifth, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I'm looking so, good. I feel good about that. You're looking. <clears throat> yeah, you're looking all right. Um, <laughs> but let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you have about two more years left in this line, and each one of these lines represents like two and a half years. Gotcha. Ah. What's your dad's birthday? Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. June the seventh. I don't know what, he, what year though. Sixty, sixty, maybe. Yeah, call your pops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I saw something today that we are at like the highest risk of a possible asteroid uh, hitting the Earth at, that we've been in like since they've been recording it. Basically, like the. The craters that they're measuring from like the small little meteorites and shit that hit us are increasing in size, like in, in a way that looks like more and more might be coming our way that would be larger. Um, I welcome it with open arms. <laughs> Dude, oh man, that'd be quite a way to go Please out, man. Like the, send us home. the universal goodbye to everybody at once. It, it, that's the only way. Yeah. Would, <laughs> I'd rather see that than us blow each other's smithereens For sure. because of some dumb political, yeah. geopolitical strife. Now, would they tell us? If like this big meteor, the size of two football fields, because I think it's like the size of like a 
football, like not that big of an asteroid would destroy the entire Earth based on like the cataclysmic effects it would have. Right. You think that they would tell us like, hey, this is heading our way. Hug your loved ones no or it would just happen. No way. Yeah. Dude, I think, yeah, I, I, th I think that's why there's so many people that are trying to get the hell off of Earth. Yeah, right. It's true. I don't think, no, I don't think, I don't think anybody tells us. Human behavior, because here's what, it only takes one small section of people to act irrationally before panic sets in the world over. Yeah. And then you're killing people for water. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It so, would just get crazy. Yeah. There's a good movie actually with Steve Carell called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. That's kind of about this. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's, it's like a nice little cute little rom-com. It's not like the best movie I've ever seen, but it's a solid little movie. It's cute. It's a meat cute. I'm like not even half joking when I say I, I welcome it. Yeah. Yes. You're ready to die. Absolutely. You listen too much I'm Biggie not. lately. I'm not ready to die. <laughs> <clears throat> I would like to live to a, a ripe old age of 90. Yeah. Yeah. However, if it's going to happen. Quick. You know? Yeah. And just, and but but like equally as well, you know? We're not singled out. Mm. This person, this this group of people is not singled out. We're all fucked. Yeah. Right. And and, and at, at no real fault of our own. I think that's poetic and kind of leaves us with a little less guilt. I feel it. Yeah. How would you like to be the generation that lives through and then after some man-made cataclysmic event. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, it's how terrible. guilty would you feel for yeah. just existing and then knowing that your perpetuation of whatever is going on allowed for this to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because you're, you're guilty by association at that point. If America decides they're going to nuke somebody first, which I don't know that that would happen, but it might. If we decide to do that, I mean, we're all Americans, dude. We all hold that water whether we like it or not. And we might say like, I, I, I have nothing to do with that. That's not true because you lived and you enjoyed in the system every single day leading up to that point that made that happen. Mm -hmm. True. So I'm not saying it's your fault that that happened, but you, you do share in it and you'd have to live with that your entire life. Mm -hmm. Nope. Give me the media. Yeah. True. True. Give me the media. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'll ask you, Al, what do you have for me today? Today, dude, the only thing I want to talk about today is how pumped I am on the Detroit Lions. That's oh. the only news that I'm <clears> You want to geek about. out over the Lions, huh? Dude, I'm just seeing the stars align, and I'm seeing encouraging things that make me think they're going to make a big jump in about a month, a little bit less before the draft, maybe even the night of the draft. But the, the signings, what they've done basically in the past week since free agency started is they signed their, their old, like one of their stud linemen, Graham Glasgow. We signed, mm -hmm. uh, we definitely addressed the need on the defense, which was our secondary. We were terrible. We got torched last year. Uh, we, we signed cornerback Emmanuel Mosley from the Niners. We signed Cam Sutton from the Steelers, who's a dog. We just signed Sauce Gardner from the Eagles, also a dog. We got David Montgomery from the Bears, more like a little bit younger running back than Jamal Williams, who we had before, who I'm sad to see leave, but I'm happy with David Montgomery. We have... Like, f we have two first-round picks and a couple other second-rounders. And in my head, Frank, and this is just a crazy Lions fan just wanting to see them actually be a good football team for once, I can't help but, th like, get rid of the notion that we are going to try to package those two first-round picks along with Jared Goff to the Baltimore Ravens for Lamar Jackson. Mm. And I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but, I, I dude, I think the Lions are going for it here, bro. Like, they're making moves. Like, they're, they're making smart decisions to make their football team better. And I think people want to play for Dan Campbell. So mm. 
Where I think we're like, I, I don't um, know. I, I think you'd learn, you'd, you'd learn your lesson. Right? You'd have hope. <laughs> and not even as a Lions fan. I mean, especially as a Lions fan, but just as a yeah. uh, sports fan altogether. Yeah. Why would you have hope? I know, I know, I know. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's encouraging. I haven't seen an offseason like this from a professional team I follow in quite a while. The Red Wings right now are clearing house. Stevie Eiserman's trading everyone away too. So it's kind of a turning point in Detroit, but... Man, I, I, even with Jared Goff, I think we're going to be a great team. And like Jared knows the offense. It, it actually could be better to have Jared Goff this season. But, man, to see Lamar Jackson in a Lions jersey would be sexy. Mm. That would be cool. In 2015, San Diego Padres won the offseason. Mm. They made moves that made everybody turn their head and say, what? Yeah. The Padres did what? What, what did they do? I don't even know. They traded everybody for players, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, they traded for the best reliever at the time, uh, Craig Craig Kimball. They traded for Melvin Upton Jr. and his brother, Justin Upton. They traded for Brandon Maurer. They traded for Will Myers. They traded for Matt Kemp. They traded, they signed James Shields <clears throat> to a four-year contract. And everyone's like, Wow. I mean, these are like some of them MVP caliber players, and they didn't they didn't even hit 500. Oh man! Even today, with what would seem to be the strongest, most potent lineup in Major League Baseball for some time, at best, cautiously optimistic yeah. that the Padres do anything this year. Yeah, I, I hope I hope uh, um, against hope that the the Lions do something because. Damn it, that city needs it. Damn, bro, you're telling me. And even if they don't go get Lamar, they got the sixth overall pick. They might be able to grab that kid from Georgia who's having that legal trouble right now and and really beef their def- defense up. But I don't know. I just want to be into sports, like into one of my teams, man. Like Michigan. Michigan's been all I've had to hold on to, and that's just been like the last few years. You know. You know my my struggles. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I'm just ready for oh, football again, man. I don't give a like. I'm not a baseball guy. I know you are, and those days are just about to start. But this Eight is days. the worst time of the year to me, man. Once, as soon as the NBA and the NHL end, it's just kind of like, oh, all right, God damn it, <laughs> gotta wait till September now. It just mm. drags. Ah, uh, no, not me. Yeah, I know. You know I'm at just, whew, baseball season. It's the best. That World Classic got me more interested, man. The more I watch it, the more I slowly get into it. Baseball. I, yeah, the World Baseball Classic was incredible. Man. You couldn't have asked for a better, like, tournament. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was one blowout, and that was uh, the U.S. against Venezuela, maybe Puerto Rico. I forget. Yeah. They blew out somebody to get to the finals. Last night's game ended. It was a one-run game. Japan was up three to two. It was the bottom of the ninth. There were two outs. Shohei Otani, two-way player, is pitching against his teammate, Mike Trout, who's widely considered the best baseball player in the world, and so is Shohei Hitani, like one and one. And they play for the same team who perennially suck, which is a, a completely other discussion. And that was the ending of the World Baseball Classic. Like you could, at storybook. You can't you write, it. write it. Yeah, right. You literally could not write that in and be like, well, yeah, that's believable. Yeah. Um, so pun intended, home run for the World Baseball Classic. I think uh, everything about it was awesome. Mm. All the games were great. The players loved it. I mean, from the outside in, it's an exhibition because it doesn't really mean anything outside of the World Baseball Classic. But the players inside, to a man, they were like, yeah, this is the coolest baseball experience. Like, I've not been to the World Series, and I'm sure that would be cooler, but I don't know how it could top this. That's kind of what Trout was saying, right? Like, this is the most yeah. fun I've had playing baseball in my entire career. Like, that's, yeah. man, that's wild to hear from the best, possibly the best player in the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's cool because it's a level playing field. 
the U.S., I mean, I guess technically had the best team, but the best players in the United States didn't play for the team, if that makes sense. Like, it, it wasn't mandatory that everyone played. So it's a, it's a volunteer team, basically. Oh. You, either you want to play it or you, or, or you don't. Um, and the way that they, they, they kind of bend the rules for who can play for what team, Trace Thompson, Clay Thompson's brother, mm-hmm. was born in an American Air Force base in Great Britain. And because of that, I mean, he's an American citizen, but because of that, He's able to play for Team Great Britain, uh, so he played. He played for the British team. Hmm. Randy Arrazarena was a Cuban defector who defected to Mexico, and he played for the Mexican team. And I mean, embraced, embraced by every every Mexican everywhere. He was a stud. Did you see that catch he made in in, in left field a couple it. nights ago? Mm-mm. He like robbed a home run and just stood there, <laughs> stared, stared, it's, it's, it just stared whoever down, just stood there while the crowd cheered behind him. It was dude, it was the coolest shit I've ever seen. That's awesome. It was awesome. Man, yeah. so why do they only do it every four years? Like, why does it need to kind of copy that three World years, Cup? Yeah. Oh, it's every three years? It was supposed to happen in 2020, but uh, COVID canceled it. So, uh, yeah, every three years it happens. Okay. Yeah, man, it was, it was I liked it. It was interesting. I, I, would they, do they like rotate where it's at or is it always in Miami? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fresh to no, this. No, uh, yeah, it, it rotates. The, the It was in San Diego, the first couple iterations of it. So they have like an international round, mm-hmm. like the U.S. and North America, South America, they all they all come to America and play, for the most part. And then once the semifinals, uh, they reach semifinals, they all go to one final location, gotcha. which is Miami. But but it started in Arizona and then Tokyo, oh, okay. and then every, everybody descended upon Miami. So it's it'll probably always be in America because it always falls in spring training. So mm-hmm. you need people to be in the United States to go to their team once their team gets knocked out of the. Tournament's over. Some of them started in Tokyo, though. Yeah, um, Cuba, Jeez. Japan. I mean, they all yeah, Japan, um, and everybody that was in so like Australia, Japan. Oh, so, okay, so it's local. It's not like America would be flying to Tokyo to fly no, back to. No, no, okay, no, okay no, that makes no, more no, sense. Yeah, yeah. It's regional. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Padres start <clears throat> meaningful games in eight days. I couldn't be more stoked, man. You guys got it this year. This is kind of the year, right? Before you would lose or potentially lose a lot of people. They locked up Manny. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you right. Tatis locked up. Um, and then you got, I think you got Soto for another year. How do we feel about Tatis? Are we are we uh, welcoming him back with open arms? Look, uh, well, San Diego is. I don't know about anybody else. The problem with him is he's got to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You can say all you want about his his play. It's always impressive, always. But if he can't stay healthy, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And he hasn't played a full MLB season since he's been in the league, which has been since 2019. So... He's always been either been injured or last year it was injury and then steroids and just it's just kind of been like oh fuck. But so he'll be good to go day one of the season. Like no. he's not. Just, oh really? No, April the twentieth. Okay, not bad. So most of the season he'll be here though. Most of the season. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure how you were feeling because the day before the suspension got announced or two days before, you let me borrow your jersey T-shirt of his. Of which I still have, but I didn't want to like give it back because then the the announcement came out that he had steroids. And you guys were very upset the day of Mike's wedding about it. So we were just disappointed. <laughs> I've held the shirt. It's it's in great condition. It's been washed. But I, I wasn't sure if you were ready to take it back yet or if that just became my shirt now because we don't like Fernando anymore. No, we love Fernando. Okay. It's coming back to you then. We love Fernando. Yes. <laughs> we love him. Camilo's first Padres jersey was a Tatis jersey. Nice. Hell yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. All right. I guess we should. To the news. Get to some serious stuff. Uh, I don't know where to start, so I will pick the first thing that pops up. Oh, okay. For the first time in history, 
the president of the United States will be indicted on federal charges. I'm confused, though, because I thought this was yesterday. This was going to happen yesterday is what Trump announced. He was going to be arrested on Tuesday. It looks like he's going to be indicted today. Mm. And that's just formal proceedings with the New York DA. And then next week, he will turn himself in. Because that needs to be, I mean, he's, he has to arrange that with Secret Service and whatnot. So it looks like all systems are a go for these charges to be filed against former President Donald Trump. Now go and yeah, what are these charges? So the charges are, they, they revolve around campaign finance laws. Okay. If you remember back 2016-ish, it came out that Donald Trump had an affair with Stormy Daniels mm-hmm. and that he paid her hush money. To, to, to basically say, hey, don't talk about how we had sex one time after a golf tournament 10 years ago, which is what happened. And so she accepted. The charges against him are that he paid his attorney, Michael Cohen, to then pay Stormy Daniels this hush money. And if he did that, it would have been part of his campaign. And that would have been misuse of campaign finances. So... In order to convict Donald Trump, they have to prove two things. One, that Donald Trump knew the federal election law. I guarantee you he did not. Two, they have to prove that the money that Donald Trump paid to Michael Cohen was then paid to Stormy Daniels for the explicit purpose of shutting her up about them having sex. And if you're Donald Trump and you hire an attorney, and that attorney gives hush money to a person that he had sex with, and there is record that says this money was used to shut up Stormy Daniels, well, then that attorney should, you know, rot in hell because maybe that's not the right word, but like you're not good. You're not worth your salt if that's what you're doing as an attorney. So there's absolutely no way that they can prove that the money that Donald Trump paid to Michael Cohen is $130,000, right? All Michael Cohen would have to do was like raise his retainer $10,000 a month for a year and a month. Mm -hmm. And then just say, yeah, I got to raise that year. And then he uses that, and then he uses his money to pay Stormy Daniels or whatever. Like, you, you can't prove that that those two things are connected in any way, shape, or form. So those two things would need to be proved in order to convict Donald Trump of any sort of felony crime. Feel about him how you want. I, you know, personally, I don't care for the guy too much. It's just it seems very odd. That this is what we're doing to indict for the first time ever. And this is all the shady shit that presidents have done throughout all of America, the entire history of America. And we're indicting Donald Trump on very, very shaky campaign campaign finance charges. And then, I mean, are we ready to op- are we really op- ready to open this can of worms? Because, like, come on, man! Like, all of these corporations are financing all of these politicians now. Like, you can't tell me this is the first time that something like this is going on. Where maybe it's not like because you, you had sex, blah 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 blah, but like, hey. Why don't you pass this legislation? We'll add another million dollars to your campaign. Like that's that's legal, but paying off someone you fucked just to shut them up is is illegal. That seems very lopsided. It's not illegal to pay somebody any sum of money and have that money represent their not talking about some sort of affair. N- nothing about that is illegal. Yeah, it is illegal to do it when you're in the midst of a campaign. But like they can prove that that money came from his campaign finances and not his personal finances. Like wasn't 
a lot of his campaign, like his personal money already? Well, no, because Michael Cohen, if I have this correctly, was the attorney for personal counsel for for Trump, his personal attorney. Mm -hmm. And I, I forget what it is. But like the connection is there when you're doing this for a political reason, because he was doing it for a political reason. He was shutting her up so that it didn't hurt his campaign. Gotcha. So that's the connection to him and his campaign. And if you're doing it for that reason, then it's then you're using campaign finance. But then what the fuck? Biden getting rid of this laptop. That was that's the exact same thing. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, because just last week, the ex daughter in law of Joseph Biden was paid a sum of, I think, $35,000 from a Chinese energy company. Hmm. She's a preschool teacher. (laughs) (laughs) It must be a new thing they're doing over there, new grants. Do you know what I'm saying? And this is the same woman who was the widow of Bo Biden, who passed away from brain cancer and then subsequently married Hunter Biden. And then two days after Joe Biden left the vice presidency, she received tens of thousands of dollars from a Chinese energy company. We're not looking into this. And might I remind you, from day one, actually, before Donald Trump got elected, he was under investigation by the Obama White House. Susan Rice was looking into every single person in the Trump campaign. They didn't think that he was going to win. When he did win, they said, oh shit, we have to cover this up. So under the guise of Russia investigation, they created an entire false document you might know as the Steele dossier to Mm -hmm. create a link between the Donald Trump campaign and Russia. It was completely falsified. It allowed for a FISA warrant. And a FISA warrant is basically, we can prosecute you and investigate you without you ever even knowing it. And that was going on to the current president of the United States and everybody in his campaign for a falsified document. And just last year, Hillary Clinton, the she was fined for her contribution to that Steele dossier because it was her and the DNC that financed that dossier in the first place that allowed for a FISA warrant into the Donald Trump presidency and allowed them to investigate the Donald Trump presidency for two years and push a narrative that they knew was false from day one. This is the most criminal shit I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, right. And no, nobody is getting indicted for that. So, so, so here's my point about this. If you're going to indict Donald Trump on these charges, fine. Do what you got to do. I, I can't stop it. I'm not going to sit here and lose any sleep over it. But th- this, better start, this better start the precedent. There, there better be some other politicians that start, getting, uh, that start getting charged for crimes because there are blatant crimes that are going on all around us. and Everyone can see them. Yeah, and they've been going after this dude, like you just said, for like eight years. They've been trying to do anything they can to fuck with this dude's political aspirations or strip him of the presidency. And I'm not saying he's like a saint of a person. Like, I'm sure Donald Trump has done illegal shit for sure. But like the fact that it's taken him this long and this is like the little tiny thing that they're going for. I saw in Georgia, they're trying to hit him with RICO charges now because of his... uh, (laughs) <laughs> they said they're considering racketeering and conspiracy charges and prove of effort to like overturn his loss and say that like the the ballots and all that shit were were rigged in, in Georgia and because of that now they're going to pursue RICO charges and it's just like what the fuck like I, yeah. I just yeah he's an asshole yeah you can hate this dude but like this is something that'll snowball much bigger or I hope does because like this dude is not the singular person doing fucking weird shit shady shit or you know Maybe he's the first person to challenge an election, I guess. But like all these people are are breaking law, man. Like it's it's this is ridiculous at this point. Well, but it started it started because he was a threat to establishment politics. Yeah, which is good. That that is necessary. It is good. And when you look at when you look at how he's been attacked from the beginning, 
you understand that, oh, okay, this guy was, I mean, they really were threatened by him mm-hmm. because they, they pulled out every trick that they possibly could. Two years of Russia investigation, then immediately after that was in, they indicted him over a phone call or they impeached him over a phone call. I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, really, really, truly crazy stuff. Yeah. And you might believe he's a threat to democracy. I, I, I don't believe that. But you might believe that, and you could probably give me some some evidence that, that would that would sway me uh, on one side or the other. But he's not a singular threat. No. And yeah. Politico came out with an article, uh, I think it was yesterday, two days ago. And they tried to paint this DA, this uh, Manhattan DA, as apolitical. <laughs> right? I'm sure. It, it's, it, it's, the stretch is so crazy to me because- they they keep saying oh, he's politically adverse. He's politics diverse. He's a no nonsense non no nonsense guy. If he thinks you broke the law, then he then you know he's going to prosecute you. This that and the other. But you have to be politically just to bring the charges is political. Yeah, just to bring these charges to know how thin of a charge it is. Meanwhile, you look at what's going on in, in New York, and this DA has from as soon as he got into office, as soon as he got into office, he says, "Do not prosecute any robberies." Do not prosecute any uh, crimes where people are holding weapons. Do not pro- uh, do not prosecute uh, you know petty theft. Don't prosecute any of that. Yet he's he's going to go up to the president for campaign finance charges. You're right. I mean, it's uh, like like the gaslighting. It's just you know what I'm saying. So so then the conversation shifts to does this make Trump more popular? Does this give him? Does this light a fire under him? And does it make people want to vote yeah. for him even more? I don't know, man. I don't know. Potentially, either. because here's the thing. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I don't think he gets convicted of anything. He's beat everything else. Why, why, why would I assume that he's now going to be convicted under these charges? He might. I doubt it. I think what they're trying to do is trying to get a mugshot of Donald Trump. That's what uh, they Oh, yeah. And so they want. And every liberal in Manhattan will cream their pants. And <laughs> That'd be a good t-shirt, but, 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 though, man. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, yeah. <laughs> You remember seeing the T-shirts of Tiger Woods yeah, mugshot? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, would be, it would be great, especially if he looks like looks like shit. You think he'd wear his hat in the mugshot? I don't think he can. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he can. <laughs> um, but, but but you know, like even if it has the potential, I don't. I feel like we were off him. I feel like we were ready to move off him. Maybe we weren't. I feel like we were. <laughs> like, you know, like I feel like everyone kind of knew what this guy was about. Have you tried to run for president again? It's like, oh, all right. Dude. So, I mean, does that mean DeSantis is the guy then? Like for sure now, you think? Well, it depends if he gets convicted because if this guy, could, if he doesn't get convicted, then he's now beat two impeachments, mm-hmm. a two-year Russia investigation and a federal indictment. Uh He's bulletproof yeah, at this point. True, there's literally nothing that could bring him down. So um, he certainly continues to run. If he does get convicted, then he cannot run for president again. Oh, that's like a law. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So I mean, yeah, that's why it has to be a, a felony. Gotcha. So okay. I mean, and, and you could be, you could be, you could be a felon and still run for president. But if you're convicted of campaign finance infractions that are felonies, then you're no longer eligible to run for president. I am willing to bet that every person that's held that office for the past 25 years is guilty of that crime. Dude, a hundred percent. Come on, dude. The corporations 100%. run this, like this whole country. You're not telling me that they're getting their palms greased and doing illegal shit. Come on. You're dumb. Like you're playing stupid. If you actually believe that. And if you want to make, if you want to make this, if you want to make this guy out to be politically adverse, then fine. Let's play that game. I'm politically adverse. I have absolutely no horse in this race. I don't give a fuck about Donald Trump. I really don't. 
If he decides to run president, if he doesn't, it matters to my life zero. Mm-hmm. But you're going to tell me that this is this is it. This is the breaking point. This is what we're going to try and put somebody in jail for mm-hmm. as a former president of the United States. I mean, really, truly, does that open up a can of worms for anybody else? That's what I'm saying. We have man. proof it that better. the Biden, like that's election interference, what he did with that laptop and coerced the FBI and, and others to like go along with as well. Like that is that I, I don't see how that's like that, that has. I guess if there was a Republican president, that would probably be bigger news. Like I can see why it's been squashed. But like that is black and white. Election interference. <laughs> no question. I just told you, and it's it's not just common knowledge, but it's fact that Susan Rice, in her official capacity, is responsible for unmasking. And this means going in in, in, in her official capacity as a, as a cabinet member of the Obama administration, going in and looking at every single person at the in the Donald Trump campaign. Hmm. She did that. Yeah. That's a crime. Yeah. No I mean, private citizen should, should be subject to that at all, but mm-hmm. they were. And the cover-up is worse than the crime because the cover-up was two years of investigation for something that they knew didn't exist, but they pushed it anyway, just kind of hoping that something would pop up. Millions and millions of dollars of yours and my dollars spent to investigate Donald Trump. With Watergate, with Nixon, they were spying on the other party, right? Like that was basically what he got impeached for? He got impeached for lying. For lying, okay. I about it wasn't the spying the crime, yeah, it was, li- okay. it was lying about it, yeah. Because I thought, didn't we catch the Obama administration doing the, doing that to the Trump administration right before he was elected? Yes, Susan Rice, Susan unmasked. Got Rice, bitch. Let's go. Everybody, <laughs> Un- literally unmasked everybody, and then somebody that was working for uh, Michael Flynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael Flynn was the formal national security advisor. He was he was a national security advisor for Donald Trump. When Donald Trump got elected to president, he went and had a meeting with Obama. And Obama said, look, you can't let anybody tell you who to hire. You have to surround yourself with your own people, but under no circumstances can you hire Michael Flynn. And so Trump went to Michael, or went to uh, his campaign advisor. He goes, hey, what job should we give Michael Flynn? Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this guy was an agitator. He was very much, he very much wanted to get in and unmask corruption he was very much against the status quo of the military, but especially the, the uh, security agencies in, in the United States in general. Mm. And I don't know if you remember, but he got fired like like immediately after Trump got t- taken office because he kept catching a ton of heat because people in his office discovered that everybody in the Trump or uh, in the Trump campaign had been unmasked by the previous mm. administration. They went and asked, can you get me all of the unmaskings in the past like six months? And it was like a stack of papers this high. And they were like, what the fuck? And they looked through it and it was everybody in the Trump organization. And they were like, oh my God, they were spying on us. They were spying on us. And Mm. this guy caught a lot of flack and Trump and, uh, and Pence were like, what do we get? What do we do? What do we do? We, you know, we just started. This is not good. So they decided to let him go just to kind of let, you know, just to let things die down a little bit. And it, it was it was probably a mistake. It was actually definitely a mistake because it nothing died down. As a matter of fact, it ramped up times 10. Mm. And all of this Russia stuff started to come out. Yeah, To right. cover up the fact that they spied on the Trump campaign. Insane, yeah, dude. Of course. Insane. Real I mean, quick, it, before we move off Trump, I had a question for you. I just want to pose it to you. 
Do you think Donald Trump is the greatest and worst thing? At the same time, he's both of these things, like the greatest and worst thing to ever happen to our democracy. I'll say it like this. Um, he is who exactly who we deserved at the time. <laughs> he is who we thought he was. Yeah. Um, because I look at him, I'm like, dude, that his his presence, his draining the swamp, like that idea is exactly what American politics needs. But also like, and maybe it's like a necessary evil to do that, but like his way of going about it and then like to see kind of how fractured our country feels at least or divided. And maybe that's not all him, that's social media and a bunch of other shit. But like that is like the closest to like watching all this shit fall apart that I think I've seen. But then also it's like, I don't know, was January 6th fake? Was it all like that could all just be smoke and mirrors to make you think like our democracy was about to fracture. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I don't really know what to believe there, but I, I've never felt that feeling in this country before that I, since I've been alive, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it happened really early in his presidency. I, I, mean, I wasn't happy that he was elected, but I no. didn't know what the hell I was uh, upset about. I really didn't. I was woefully uninformed. Mm -hmm. But once he started to do things that were good and then everyone in the media started to, to tell me that they were bad— and the reaction to everything that he did was so over the top. I was like, whoa, this is different. Yeah. This is not like this. What is this? It was when I started to get hip. But I, to answer that question, I would pose that to anybody who's listening right now and say, when you think of Donald Trump, what do you feel inside? If you've heard everything we've talked about right now and the, the, the gross injustices that were put up against Donald Trump and the fact that he's still being persecuted and you can take all those facts and you say, yeah, but, you know, I really just don't like the guy. Okay, fair enough, but why? Like, why don't you like him? And if you come to me about like, oh, the way you treat your women or you know, grab him by the pussy, whatever, like, you know, those things, fair game. But again, like you said, this guy had a goal to drain the swamp and get shit out of politics and um, make America great again, all these things. And all of that got turned around as being bad. Why? Yeah. And the more you look into it, the more mm -hmm. facts that you find out, the more you realize that this guy was a threat and that the people, the powers that be had a vested interest to make sure that he did not succeed. And they still do. And they're continuing to make sure that he doesn't succeed. And it, it, like I said, I don't, I don't really care for the guy. If he decides to be president, run for president again, or he gets elected president again, it absolutely no skin off my back one way or the other. But was yeah. he good? Was he bad? I think, I, you know, once I started to see how he was being portrayed, I remember telling this to somebody in like 2017, I was like, you know, I think he's like, I think he's more of like a, like a Snape character than anything, you know, like this bad, like painted yeah. like a bad guy, but really, truly like he's kind of taken the bullet to continue on. And he has, and he still, and he still is. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. Well, let's get to something else. Enough Trump talk, but that's, that's a wild um, story. It is a wild story. Um, let's see. Uh, LA Unified is on strike right now. Oh, really? Heard about this? Mm -mm. So it's, it's, it's not your teachers. It's uh, your bus drivers, your special ed teachers, custodians, and support staff, uh, about 30,000 workers integral to running the nation's second largest district are on strike, and then 35,000 teachers are joining in solidarity, which means 420,000 students for this week are off war, are off school. Blaze it. Which, Blaze it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Workers and union leaders said the strike is about gaining respect for an often overlooked workforce in Los Angeles schools. Uh, this is a staff who keep trash cans from overflowing, drive students across town to school, and help educate and keep safe some of the highest needs students. Nearly all the support staff in the Los Angeles Unified District earn below $45,000 a year, which is not a lot anywhere, but especially not in LA. Yeah. Full-time food service workers 
earn an average of $25,000. Special ed workers earn $36,700. And building and ground staff earn an average of $39,240, according to the union. Um, this is a this is a former LA Unified teacher, and he's giving his spin on this. Uh, Larry, you're a former teacher yourself. Um, I know you've sometimes taken issue with some of the positions of teachers unions over the years, um, and you've got strong views on this. So what is your reaction to what you just heard from the SEIU at that rally? Well, the, the thing that is left out of just about every conversation on this issue is what, what are these people actually being compensated? Because just the salary doesn't tell you how many hours they work, how many weeks a year they work. And more importantly, what kind of benefits they're getting, what kind of health care perks and pension benefits. For example, teachers in Los Angeles, now the average teacher, according to Transparent California, which is a wonderful website, transparentcalifornia.com, average teacher salary is $86,000, but when you blow in all that benefits, it's 114000 Food services workers make just $35,000 in salary, but when you throw in all that benefits, it becomes $69,000 a year. So I mean, people need to know this, and most people don't. You know, they're always complaining when not, we need to make a living wage, but there's so much that's left out of the conversation. Even so, we are in Los Angeles. It is very expensive to live here. It requires a, a significant salary. So don't they have legitimate gripes? And seeing that there is so much support this year versus 2019 at the last strike that involved the teachers. Well, the, the second point is, where are they going to get the money? The district says it doesn't have it. I mean, if, I mean, if Carvalho could just make this whole thing go away, I'm sure he would do it. Now, as we've been discussed, as was discussed before I came on, this is a three day strike. So Friday, everybody's going to be back. I'm sure some kids will take a long weekend. But no, nothing is going to be solved by this. And I mean, it's not like you're taking a rich boss who's going to have to fork over a few, few more bucks to keep his uh, private industry employees happy. The district doesn't have the money. So, I mean, you know, what individual people are making is only part of the story. It's what they can afford, what they can afford, what the district can afford. We know the unions aren't going anywhere. Uh, what's the solution here? Well, uh, just not that you really asked. I mean, I don't know that public employees should be unionized, but that's a conversation for another day. I don't know where the district is going to get the money. I, you know, it's, I, I'm not an expert on, on school finance, but it seems to me that if Carvalho had the money to spend, he would spend it. And he just doesn't have this. And you're talking, and also the teachers union is, you know, is very involved in this because they have a contract uh, coming up and, and whatever the uh, service employees are getting, they're going to demand at least that much. They're already asking for 20% more. So Carvalho knows that there's a lot of money that the unions are asking to be spent. And, and if he doesn't have it, I don't know where he's going to get it from. 30,000 non-teacher workers, 35,000 teachers, 65,000-ish total employees, LA Unified. What do you think their budget is? Mm. He, keeps, he keeps saying they don't have the money. What do you think their budget is? Damn, dude, I'm so bad at guessing these. I'm always so off. I'm going to guess, how many total employees? 65,000, 35,000 of which are teachers, on average, will say they earn $90,000. They don't. It's yeah, high. No, yeah. But, but let's just say they do. It's probably closer to like 70, but we'll just say 90. So 90,000 times... 35, 
thousand. That is three billion, one hundred and fifty million. Jeez, I was gonna guess a billion dollars, but that, is, <laughs> that felt high. You're off, You're way <laughs> off. Okay, so that's we have three point one billion there, and then we had thirty thousand other workers. They said in this article that they don't earn any more than thirty, right? Forty-five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So we'll just take that as the number, knowing that it's high, times thirty thousand. That's one point three billion. So just in salaries, we're looking at like over four billion plus all like the money for everything else to, to run a school. Like to yeah. All what did schools. we say? What was it? Two point one billion. Something like that, or three. For the teacher. We'll round it up to three, Al. <laughs> this is how this is how outrageous the budget is. Okay. Three billion. So we're at four billion three hundred and fifty million dollars in salaries. Okay. Assuming the highest, the LA Unified School District's budget for this year is twelve point six billion dollars. Jeez, where's that money going? That's the question. And and so, I mean, we can kind of look at it. I mean, I, ha I have here some of the, the breakdowns from, from each section. They don't make it very easy. But if I'm looking at, so there's like a whole bunch of staffing expenses. And it's really hard to say like where everything goes because I would have to know all of this stuff. Like there's, there's nurses and principals and aides and custodians and assistants and librarians and coaches you know, all that kind of stuff. But we're still talking about a Delta here of over $6 billion. Mm -hmm. So Seems I, I like think it would what, be a lot left over. So I think what the, and, and somebody smarter than me can come here and say, hey, no, actually, you, know, you got to break it down this way and this way and taxes, this, that, and the other, right? I'm willing to listen to that. But just looking at it, taking it for face value, it looks like the, the unions, this, this workers union, this is not the teacher union, but the workers union is saying, well, there's, I don't know, $6 billion around this summer in your budget. Um, please show us where that's at because the salaries that you're, you're paying us on the highest end still leave this giant gap in, in what is, in what's uh, available. So frustrating, I imagine, to be a student or a parent of a student at LA Unified to see this little tit for tat going on, to see all this money being, you know, where is it going? Why is there so much of it? who's getting paid what, and then to look on the other end of things and be like, well, your, your budget is $12.6 billion and literally nobody is proficient in reading. Right. Literally nobody. I'm looking at this, at this graph here. Like if the, the, the very highest performers of, of uh, uh, white students and Asian students are proficient in reading and math, LA Unified on the whole is barely hitting the basic level of reading. And this is the whole unified school district. So it's got to be really frustrating that there's this fight going on for money when you can see that this, the students are performing. And this is 2019. So this is not taking into account any pandemic losses or reversals from the pandemic, kids getting, you know, not being in school. This is 2019. They were not doing good. But if you're a custodian at LA Unified or a teacher at LA Unified and all the shit that you must have to put up with, I wouldn't care either. I'd be yeah. fighting for, I'd be fighting for more money. Are you kidding me? I got to clean up blood for the third time this week from a fight in the bathroom. I mean, just cell phones alone for a teacher. Like that, just that distraction alone has got to be enough to, to want to drive a teacher crazy. And then you got to deal with truancy and then you get this, that, and the other, or everybody's parents and you, you're, you're overworked and there's too many kids in your class. To, to pay attention to all of them and give them all the attention that they need and deserve and should get. Um, I think this whole thing just needs to be imploded. It's obviously 
been bloated to the point where $12.6 billion is not enough to make everyone happy and to get kids in school and to get our children educated the way they need to be. And if that's not enough, then the system is broken. Well, that's the problem. I don't think the focus is on educating the kids, really. Obviously. Well, (laughs) and and it's a little unfair to to, to have that conversation here because this is all about the support staff and that's who's on strike. But the teachers are on strike with them in in solidarity. So they've now injected themselves into this. So you're going to take three days off of work and your kids are not even proficient in reading? Come on. Yeah, but like, I, I guess the teacher is more important, but like those people are all very important to like making the whole thing work. They're a, a piston in this engine, you know, of yeah. educating our kids. Like you need bus drivers. Like obviously we need bus drivers. Like parents can't all be going and taking their kids to school like that. You got to get the kid to the school and you got to get them home from the school. So like that is an important part. I mean, you know, custodians and stuff like, like that is the, they're all cogs in this big machine to like make it work. I, the teacher would be the, the best one. Cause they're the one like hands on with your kid and like, you know, affecting them every single day. But these are all, you know, maybe they don't all need to get paid the same amount, but like they seems like they all need to make more money. They need to make more than 40K to live in LA. Like I, I can't, you couldn't make 40K here and, and like really have a livable wage, I feel like, let alone oh, yeah, man. out absolutely there. So right. it's just, it's absolutely nuts. right. It is nuts. I am. To me, this is just a, another like crystal clear example of why school choice is needed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The more you've talked about it, the more you've kind of sold me on it. Because you don't hear this stuff come out of magnet schools and and even private schools. Like you don't, and maybe that's because yeah. they're not unionized and or organized in any way. I guess as as well. But I honestly just think they're paid better and treated better. So like you don't see this. Like the focus is on the children and educating them because their parents paid good money for them to be there, and that's what we're all here for. Sixty five thousand teachers and staff for four hundred and twenty thousand students. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's just so ridiculous. That, 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 that Obviously, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You need to split that up. You need to make that more localized because this big engine that is LA Unified with a $12.6 million budget, it, it can't get the job done at all. At all. So you have to look at wh- what's going on. And it's just this big, giant, bloated, inflated organization that is very obviously not, not good at uh, appropriating funds. And this is just going to continue to happen. Teachers are going to get more pissed off. Support staff is going to get more pissed off. They're always going to feel like they're not getting paid more. They're going to continue to see these budgets inflate, and they're like, where's my piece of it? It's going to continue to go on, continue to go on, continue to go on. Now, them unionizing, it's a whole different story, right? I got split feelings on that in this situation, yeah, me too, man. Right, me too. I, I, but but like when you get this big, you kind of have to because who's going to fight for you? Exactly, yeah. And when it's when it's all public funds, it's not private funds. It's, it's like right. you're not – that's all decided by people way higher than you – you know, and it's it's not as direct as working in a small private school and you can go to the institutions or, or like to the principal or I guess superintendent, whoever would make those decisions locally to that school. But when you're talking public schools, it's it's the same laws for 15 schools in that area and, and probably the same budget, I would guess, like for all of the schools. It's not just a per – it's just – it makes it a lot harder. So to have that representation in a union, I think actually makes more – makes sense for these people or else these teachers are all just going to get screwed. And I mean – all these workers should be getting proper, like it. In in a place like where you live, L.A., San Diego, you're pretty close to a border that a lot of people cross illegally, and, and a lot of a lot of people are willing to work for not as much. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like, if you have a system that doesn't protect, you know, 
the vast majority of workers, bus drivers, superintendents, all this other stuff, you're going to have a bunch of guys that are like, fuck yeah, we'll do it for 30K, no problem. <laughs> like, like, and then you're robbing Americans of jobs. So like, I feel like it's a necessary evil to have a, a, a union there to support these people. Yeah, you bet. I think you could also make the argument for the free market working the way it should and allowing for whoever's willing to do the job for the rate that it's being offered to do the job. And I get that it takes jobs away from citizens. I, it, That's anti-American, Frank. That's not you. Yeah, well, it's it's quite possibly the most American thing that you could, <laughs> <laughs> you could say. But, but I'm not here to make that argument. Yeah, what yeah, I am yeah. here to say is this this is far too big. Yeah. It's far too, I mean, San Diego County, too. Uh, San Diego Unified too. It's far too big. I won't, I won't even get into what the hell that they're they're focusing on teaching the students. Um, yeah, that's we've had our gripes. I've had my gripes. But I won't throw you into that. I've had my gripes about that. But but it, it it's very obvious to me that the focus is not correct. Yeah. And the the best most efficient way to correct it is to allow parents to decide where their kid goes to school and give them the freedom to fund students and not the system because the system obviously doesn't work. Uh, I'm up against it, sir. I got to get out of here. Got to go? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you guys uh, want to find our stuff anywhere else on the interwebs, you can find us on Twitter at FriendshipNH, recently verified. Very cool. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at FriendshipNewsHour. You can shoot us an email with any comments, questions, concerns to bummerdude.media at gmail.com. We'll be sure to get back to you. And apparently now on YouTube and Facebook, we're live streaming all these episodes. It's been going pretty well. We're getting, we love seeing you guys pop in and say hi to us. That, that feels great. Uh, any questions you guys have, always feel free to post them in those comment boards and we will definitely bring them up. That is a cool new aspect of the show that I'm excited about, Frank. Yep, you bet. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. See you next time.